Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast. Today, we're joining you from a galaxy far, far away, also known as London, as we discuss all things Star Wars Celebration 2023. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hey, it's Nate, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for This Week in Geek, we have the Jar Jar Justifier, Justin, the Lothcat Lawrence. Meow, meow, motherfuckers. How are ya? <laughs> I hope that's the first line we hear from Sabine's Lothcat in the show. I hope that's the first thing voiced by Samuel L. Jackson uh, or Samuel L. Lawrence. Exactly. Uh, I guess. Uh, alongside him, in a hotel room somewhere near me, we have Darcy, the dank ferric Doug Huggin Hudson. Hello. How would it, I mean, how do I to, hug? How do you hug a Doug? Like, that with your do legs. Your legs wrap around you. Yeah. <laughs> do I use it. my you legs? Be on your hands. Yeah, both of you with your legs wrapped around each other. I think that's how. I it don't works, know if right? I want to okay. do that. I don't think I want to do <laughs> oh, that. Oh my god. Um, well, as you oh, can already god. tell, this week's episode is obviously going to be a little bit different as we're discussing our experience at Star Wars Celebration, uh, and things are going to be a little bit all over the place, kind of like Lando after you know a few too many spotchkas. Uh, but that being said, we're going to be staying on target and discussing the biggest news and trailers to come out of Star Wars Celebration 2023 uh, in the order that they happened. Uh, but to kick things off, Justin, I wanted to kind of kick it over to you before Darcy and I discuss our thoughts of the convention, being in London. Um, I want to know, how was it at home? Uh, you know, people refer to that as Couch Con. Uh, how was the live stage? <laughs> uh, well, it was uh, at some points um, Bed Con for me. Bed uh, Con. It was like 6 a.m. Um, oh, yeah, I guess that's or, true. Or uh, if it might have been Feeding Ellie Con, because uh, <laughs> I would be literally feeding her and watching Twitter uh, as as these things happen. Uh, no, but I, I got to say, um, there was some great coverage from uh, comicbook.com, uh, IGN, mm -hmm. uh, discussing film. I was able to find out the information uh, almost instantly and uh, was able to react really quickly uh, all while from my bed or feeding my, my baby. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, it was good. And who she she actually was my alarm clock uh, <laughs> for all, all of the, the days of the convention. There were some she, moments we were messaging back and up. forth, Justin, and I was like, wow. How? Yeah, yeah. it was like you guys were in line. It was like four in the morning. And I was like, oh, I'm up too early. So uh, yeah, I was uh, the, the weekend. The weekend was um, I didn't sleep that well over the weekend mm -hmm. so only because I was I was up late and then I was going waking up early uh, sort of thing. But um yeah, the coverage across the board uh, from from those there for for the people that uh, weren't able to attend uh, was great. Uh, I thought it was was fantastic, and it it's the supplementary interviews. Like uh, you know, I, I know that they ran uh, you know a a live stream from the Star Wars live stage with Anthony Carboni, uh, Christina Ariel, Christine Baver. Uh, and I believe uh, uh, Jamie uh, Stagru. I didn't. I didn't actually watch it because at that point I was going back to bed. <laughs> I was like <laughs> going to take a nap. Uh, but later uh, I I ended up catching uh, uh, highlights from those moments. So like 
you know, having the entire Acolyte cast uh, on the stage, uh, you know, having Rosario Dawson uh, and and Mary Elizabeth Winstead with with Natasha Leo Berdizo on the stage as well, or or seeing you know uh, John Favreau and and uh, uh, Dave Filoni up on the live stage to share more. Um, I thought it was great that they uh, brought uh, people that were taking part in the panels on the stage. Uh, I was able to just catch like the sort of highlight reels of of those conversations because they were like 10 or 15 minutes depending on who was on stage. So uh, I think they did a really great job, StarWars.com, just kind of condensing a lot of that so that if you did miss the actual live stream, you were able to follow up. But then, you know, IGN and Comic Book, they did some great coverage after these panels, uh, it seemed like everyone was ushered to the back for press line discussions, and there was a lot of interviews that happened. IGN did a great interview with John Favreau and and Dave Dave Filoni, as well as uh, Kathleen Kennedy, talking about uh, I believe it was on Friday after the the big Lucas Lucas panel uh, that talked a lot about like the future of Star Wars and and the upcoming movies and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I, it's funny as, as much as I had the FOMO of not being there and not being able to experience it, uh, thanks to online and, and maybe some Reddit threads that I ended up finding <laughs> my way that, uh, did spoil some stuff, which is not that, that bad. Um, it was great. I still felt like I was a part of it. I was, it was still engaged in conversation. I was interacting with a lot of people on Twitter, so I didn't feel left out as much as I thought. So it, it was good. It was a good, it was a good experience. Very cool. I mean, I think... You know, in previous celebrations, uh, I've had the opportunity to attend the live stage. If you check out some of the live streams, if they're still up on YouTube from uh, oh, Chicago, oh, yeah. I think um, I had my yeah. geek-centric yeah, shirt on, and I made sure to get oh, it yeah. in the camera. Like, and like you were, you, I, I just remember you like in some of the footage were like you were you were standing chest first, yes. so you're like, please look at this logo that's floating in the background the of your best. celebration it was video. The best. But you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Anthony, uh, Christina, Christina Ariel. Um, there's a moment oh, yeah. where she, was, she great. was, she's great. You know, hyping up the crowd with with Hayden, and and Hayden sheds a tear at one. Oh, point. that was a great. Oh. Yeah, that was great. And the the Filoni, the Filoni, um, dude. Oh yeah, but he was crying. Yeah. Like he got emotional. He he really looked out to the to the audience. He saw how many people were there. They're thrilled. He understands that you know everything that they're doing is for them. It's you know I actually rewatched that before recording this because I remember just thinking like that's sort of how I feel about Star Wars fandom in general. Mm-hmm. It's just so passionate and it's just I love it so much. And you know you. You see Filoni and Favreau and, you know, how connected they are with the stories that they're telling and, and why they're putting in these elements and in the storytelling. It just goes to show, like, he, it comes from a real sense of endearing love for this fandom and for these stories. So it's, you know, can't say enough about Filoni. He's just so, he seems so down to earth, right? He seems like he's, he like he said, he'd be one of the people in that crowd, you know, cosplaying or doing whatever, waving a lightsaber in the air enjoying enjoying this convention with the rest of them but now he gets to sit on stage and be immersed by this fandom on a whole new level. i mean there are people cosplaying him uh that we saw we saw in line <laughs> yeah. trapper wolf did them. you see some oh yeah you see some trapper oh yeah, yeah a couple of cowboy that's hats great. and the shirts with the the coats yeah. with the little tassels and everything um you know i think the live stage as i mentioned i, I love seeing it i think the unfortunate placement of the live stage this time around we weren't really able to even get close to it um so you know before we get to to talking about maybe uh, you know getting back to the love i did just want to kind of cover a few criticisms we're going to go to the dark side for just a minute here um you know i i I think there there are a lot of parts about this convention that are worth celebrating um but i think this year's celebration in my experience was either oversold in general 
or Star Wars has just gotten too big for the Excel Center in London, uh, which is crazy because the Excel Center is a really big place. Uh, but I guess Star Wars is larger. Would you say that's the case, Darcy? I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it comes down to the fact that this was like very, very, um, I don't want to say disorganized, but it, was, it wasn't it was planned very well with the fact that the Excel Center is undergoing a lot of renovations currently. So a lot of entrances and, and other pathways that might be there year round weren't mm. accessible for this trip, which which made it seem very like you had one way to go and that's where it caused these traffic jams and clogs. But again, I, I can't really hold that against Star Wars because it is that is falling more back on the venue. And when you look at it, the venue, that is probably one of the largest places you can hold it in London. So I don't know where else they could have gone. So it's like, it's a really, while it did suck, but I, it, it was unavoidable because of how big Star Wars is. In order to get the volume through, you need to go to this, this center, except the center wasn't prepared for the volume. So it's a little, like it's very odd to talk about this because it, it's, I, I know it could be better. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think, you know, we've been, we've we've been to these celebrations before. This is, you know, this is some of our second or third or fourth celebration. Um, I, I think the, the layout is the biggest thing, Darcy, and that, I think that's the biggest disappointment of the weekend um, was, was just, again, how tough it was to move through that main hallway. Now, did it work when, when a bunch of Narkina 5 cosplayers were running around shouting, one way out, one way out? <laughs> Absolutely, because there was only one way they could go. Um, but I think, you know, especially, especially after a panel let out, it would get so crowded you couldn't move. And Justin, I know you've, mm-hmm. you've you know you have a bit of anxiety sometimes in big crowds. And I was just well, I was like, who? I don't even. I've. It's tough. I think it's more the pandemic that's that's built that anxiety. Sure. Uh, you know, when you're when you're shoulder to shoulder, ass to ass, crotch to crotch <laughs> yeah. to people, it gets you're a hugging like a, you're hugging like a couple dugs, and you're not meaning oh, to. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I, the pictures that I saw online, and and again, Twitter was was rampant with people. Uh, complaining about the again it's just it's not about star wars as much as it is the organization that read pop who who does put on these these events um and how they would have worked with excel center to kind of orchestrate and plan where things are so i I think you're right darcy i think it really does fall on the organizations that that are taking part in in uh planning this event because obviously star wars is star wars and it is going to draw that much but it did seem like there was a a lot of of people um and that as you pointed out nate in some of those those pictures and as they were saying on twitter it seems like it was oversold uh for like you know certain day passes right like i know there was a tough time to get the vip passes and there was a tough time to get certain you know four-day window passes but it seems like the day-to-day passes were well oversold by the looks of it so it's it's interesting that there was such a uh I guess a hiccup and and sort of clusterfuck, if you will, with uh, organizing uh, this this convention and this very large. It is a massive convention center. It's mm-hmm. bigger than the San Diego Convention Center, from what I was reading. I believe the London Excel Center is twice the size uh, at a hundred a hundred thousand square meters of space versus San Diego's fifty seven thousand square meters of space. So a lot more room at the Excel Center to to house Star Wars fans. But it definitely 
I, I don't think we were, as you were saying, Darcy, we weren't using that space Utilize for this convention, unfortunately, yeah. because of the, mm-hmm. the construction, because of what was going on. And I think it was just a matter of, of timing and, and, of course, everything that's going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. I think the entire thing felt bigger and smaller all at once. I think the, the, the things that we were getting yeah. to hear about are huge and massive and, and amazing, and we're going to be talking about them. And, and but it's in a, small in a smaller space, space right? <laughs> and, and especially even yeah. like the celebration stage. I mean, you know, in Anaheim, it was like a, 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 like a, a massive um, arena. Whereas yeah, I think it held, I think it held ninety five hundred. Yes, yeah. Even Chicago, Chicago was an arena. Remember Chicago, massive, yeah. right? Yeah, it was huge. Like a stadium. Yeah, so, yeah. so it, it was yeah. definitely cut America. down to a, a big conference room here, um, to the point where even like the things that you would expect to get big cheers. I was reading somewhere online, someone made a video of Kathleen Kennedy not really getting that many cheers. I'm like, didn't get that many cheers that you could hear on the microphone because it was a smaller crowd. Um, but you know, again, people are going to, well, be- yeah, but that's, that's again, that's that <laughs> shithead fandom. That's just finding its way in there. Right. Like even, even on the celebration Facebook page, people are oh, like, I don't, don't even- want to complain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I don't want to hear about people complaining, but I don't want to complain, <laughs> but I'm going to complain. Just like, like every- <laughs> I'm going to complain. Right. Like it's, it's so, it's so hilarious to read, uh, all of this stuff, but yeah, it, it did look like, um, it was a little over flowing um and that celebration stage yeah like it almost looked like a giant um like more of a a keynote presentation like Nate, i know you you, you'll know what i mean like Mm -hmm. an apple keynote would would take place in something like that size definitely not uh you know a massive thing which is probably why there weren't as many vip passes absolutely right like they probably got eaten up a lot quicker makes you wonder what's going to happen in japan We'll have to wait and see. But I think, listen, as far as the negatives are concerned, let's move away from there. Let's go from the dark side to the light. I think, you know, I think there's some really, really fantastic parts of Star Wars Celebration in general. And I wanted to start off by saying the staff and security, well, at times they didn't really check badges that often. And you're kind of wondering, do I even need a badge? Um, (laughs) the, The staff, as far as directing people did such a really good job. And the people that were responsible for the lineups uh, and making sure people get you know lined up properly. I particularly have to shout out the moment with the security guard, Darcy, at the end uh, of, of when we, I think it was the last day that we were there. And uh, he asked, after asking everyone not to run and to go through security check one at a time, he goes, and one more thing. I have spoken and the gut just got a huge crowd, you know, or cheer from the crowd and yeah. everyone was super stoked. Such a good moment. And again, it's these moments where you're, you're thinking they had fun with it. Yeah. These yeah. people are star Wars fans and they're at one of the best things about star Wars and they're doing a, a job so that all these other star Wars fans can have a good time. And I, I think yeah. that was one of the biggest things uh, that I noticed. Uh, Darcy, were there any other big pluses for you? I mean, like you said, they 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 were all really happy to be there and were super willing to help if you had any issues or questions and stuff like that. So again, the staff was was great, better than I mean some of the the states cons you've been to where the security guards don't know anything and don't could care less about what they're doing at this venue. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Yes. These exactly. these guys, everyone we spoke to or everyone who was guiding and directing the flow had a smile on their face while they were doing it and weren't yelling. They were yeah. just telling with, you know, the authority yeah. that they held in their position. So it was really, they weren't abusing that red vest that they were wearing. They were really down to earth about it. So it was really cool to, to see that for sure. When you go to conventions, what is the food you would, you would imagine, Justin, when you go to a convention, what do you imagine? Oh, well, I, 
you know, having been to conventions, it's like pizza, hot dogs, burgers. Justin, let me tell you right now, shout out to Chosen Noodles for the chicken katsu <laughs> curry. Um, there were some incredible food options uh, at this Star I Wars really... celebration. I was blown away. Darcy, am I right? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, we were talking about the XL and all the flaws and stuff like that. One of the things it does have going for it is that that main central hall that they kind of funnel everybody through every uh, between every entrance to the show floor or or one of the, the panel hallways or whatever had a different restaurant on the corner. And there was a subway. There was several coffee shops. There was, again, this chosen noodle place. You could get sushi. Like there were so many options outside of the fact Dope. that they also had several food trucks in one of the halls. So like there, you could find food oh, sick. That's of cool. different cuisine. Lebanese from around food. The world. Indian it was so food. great. Yeah. Oh, so it good. Was we awesome. had, well, that's we had England. Food choices that's were, England. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We had some toasties yeah, in the morning. Uh, I remember I managed yeah. to just happen to sneak out of line somehow and got into the main hall before I was supposed to. Uh, and uh, and I managed to get some breakfast for, for Darcy and I. And I remember I'm sitting there. I'm halfway through the se- for the first half of my toasty, uh, which for those who don't know, a toasty is like a grilled cheese, but British. Uh, and it has like beef and onion. It was so good. Um, anyway, so I'm halfway through. And then I look over at Darcy. And Darcy's handing me the container for <laughs> For his toast, I was hungry. It was Inhaled early, and I was hungry. It. Okay, nailed it. So good. Um, I, I also wanted to just lastly, kind of before we move into talking about the content and and all the wonderful things we got at these panels, um, I do want to just the content. Like oh, um, I do want to shout out the probably the the best part of Star Wars Celebration, and that is the fellow geeks like us, like you, who's listening, uh, who are geek centric for all things. Star Wars, aside from maybe a little bit of discord over pushing to the front of the line in the mornings, uh, pretty much every single fan was so kind, so courteous, so generous, and so many wonderful conversations in line. Shout out to, uh, to the local Ollie. Uh, I don't know his last name, but shout out to you, Ollie, if you're listening. Uh, wonderful Brit. Uh, and then uh, the wonderful groups who, who you know, there was a group of people who we played 20 questions with uh, at the end on the last day. Uh, and of course, Daniel and Divya from Toronto. If you're listening to this, uh, special shout out to you for giving me one of the toughest Star Wars 20 questions I think I've ever had, um, which was really, <laughs> really fun. The answer was Bendu, by the way, Justin. So imagine how we got to that. They're, oh, they, God. They were, they were you know, oh, God. Is it, is it, does it walk on two le- or what was it? Is it bipedal? Is it bipedal? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, and, and we're like, no. what? Can, um, they were like, can it fly? And they're like, yes, probably. It can it's fly. Like, okay, hold on a second. Uh. Is it male or female? It might be male. I, anyways. Um, so really, really fun. And I think it's so special <laughs> to be in those lines with people who just instantly vibe yeah. with you because of your shared love of Star Wars. I think that's the the biggest highlight that can be taken away is the new friends that you meet. Uh, and that's always the fun part, right? Like that's that collective, that celebration, which is why it's called celebration of Star Wars together in, in a safe uh, fandom experience. It's 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 really enjoyable. That's that is the highlight, right? Apart from from everything else and and being in those panels, yeah, and getting the the content that they're that they're that they're dropping. It's it all adds to the heightened uh, excitement. So it was definitely great to see you guys connecting with so many people from a distance, um, and just you know having those you know having those great experiences together. It was so good, so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, listen, the main reason we are here. Uh, was for the big stuff, the panels. So uh, with that said, let's get to the first big panel of the convention, Friday, 11 a.m., 
the Lucasfilm Studio Showcase. Um, you know, it's a lottery to get into six a.m. for Justin. Yes, it's a lottery to get into these panels, and you, not everyone was were able to actually even attend, mm-hmm. whether it be on the Celebration Live stage or whether it be uh, in the Galaxy stage or Twin Sun stage, the streaming stages where you're you're literally hoping to get into a room just to watch a screen to watch what you know for the most part Justin watch maybe a little bit of exclusive content um, and so it's it's a you know it's a, a huge get to even just get into one of these if you're not a VIP um, and you know I think the, the showcase kicked off pretty well we had uh, a fantastic brought a tear to my eye montage of everything Star Wars movies shows and dude the narration was Nemec's speech from Andor and I was just like oh my gosh so good so good it's it's a whole new context with that speech, and then you layer in that those visuals. Uh, I heard I heard someone write about it in one of the articles, one of the millions of articles that I read <laughs> about that day. Um, and um, yeah, they talked about how using that speech because it's like so fresh and so new, and it's so poignant to what would be the beginning of the rebellion, mm-hmm. indirectly, of course. But to see that layered in with with these the these visuals, it really shows how Andor is. You know, it is Star Wars, right? To its core, to its bones, right? So I, I love that. Well, speaking of Andor, host Ali Plum, who, by the way, was excellent. If you ever get a chance to look up Ali Plum stuff, he's a fantastic British uh, uh, press inf- press person. Um, he welcomed Lucasfilm's Kathleen Kennedy to reflect on the success of the highly acclaimed Disney Plus original series. And they were joined by the series director, creator, showrunner, Tony Gilroy, and stars Diego Luna, Adria Arjona, Kyle Soler, Denise Gove, Genevieve O'Reilly, Andy Serkis, Muhannad Bahir, and Joplin Sibtain, uh, who was also a, uh, they were also accompanied, by the way, by B2 Emo. And let me tell you, when B2 came out onto the stage and said, hello, l- 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 London, my heart melted into my shoes. It was so cool. Uh, we got to see a now-in-production teaser trailer for the second and final season coming out in August 2024, which looks fantastic. Uh, let's talk about that. I mean, it was kind of a sizzle reel, a hype piece. Darcy, what did mm-hmm. you think of uh, what we got to see of Andor Season 2? Well, I mean, again, we I couldn't really get much context from it. It was a lot of jump cuts of all the characters played by the actors you just mentioned. <laughs> and it was more just like, uh, this is what they're going to look like in Season 2. And I got to say, the just the tone that they were setting with that, that little hype reel, I am on board for the next four years that Andor will showcase because, oh, it looks like it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, it definitely looked like more Andor, um, <laughs> which, I mean, is kind of what yeah, you'd that's expect, all it, That's right? all it was. That's all it needed to be. Yeah, I think they held yeah. back a little bit. Um, it, it goes by pretty fast, but Cyril has a new hat. Uh, Vel has red <laughs> hair. Um, and everyone yeah. looks stressed as as Farrick, uh, I'll just say. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really stoked for it. I think the tone... Again, is is more Andor, but I, I they I, nailed I, it. They yeah. nailed it, and I'm I'm really intrigued to sort of see how they top season one. Well, I, I again, I think in in the panel they talked about it's really great for them to know where they're going and where they're ending. Gilroy was saying like so many shows are still trying to figure that out. They know they're ending, mm-hmm. so it's about working towards that ending collectively. So the plan and the strategy is all there. What I think is great about the footage because this is one of the ones that I was able to see through a long long list of of reddit threads it's been taken down since but <laughs> i was able to catch it and um yeah you guys are right it, it's it's more or less just 
like a sizzle reel of Andor shots. Like, you know what I mean? And you just get to see what I noticed too, just from watching it was you get to see a bit of an age progression. Cause we are going to be jumping through like multiple years. Mm-hmm. So we see, a, I think some, some time, some of that time passing through some of that footage, but you know, what was really great about one of the first teaser trailers was this, um, inherent, you know, behind, behind the headshots, the way they jump cut that between different characters, both on the rebellion, both on uh, on the rebellion and and in ISB, the, the fact that they're they're really doubling down on their political thriller vibe, uh, it's clear. Um, you see a lot of like these running shots, like of of like Andor running with a gun that looks so Blade Runner esque or born, right? It just it felt like okay, I'm ready for more of what they already gave me in season ones. Let's just let's go. I I don't know if it's about topping it though. I don't think they need to top they it. Just need they to just match need it. to. Well, they just need to finish strong, mm-hmm. right? Like they need to finish strong and continue the tone. And I think they they've learned so much, as they said in the panel, like they learned so much from what they did in that first season that it's just inherently built into what they're doing now in the production, right? So, so good. So good. Uh, next up, Leslie Headland, creator and showrunner of Star Wars The Acolyte, joined Kennedy on stage. Headland entered escorted by Cal Naka, a Wookiee Jedi from the series, who looked incredible, by the way. We were like, there's a freaking Wookiee on the stage. Um, they offer, basically, we got a, an overview of the new mystery thriller, uh, which is as follows. The Acolyte will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes but uh, but discovers the forces they confront are more sinister than ever anticipated. Joining Headland uh, and Kennedy on stage were the series stars Amanda Stenberg, Lee Jung-jae, Manny Jacinto, Daphne Keene, Charlie Barnett, uh, Jody Turner-Smith, Rebecca Henderson, Dean Charles Chapman, and Star Wars veteran, of course, Yunus Suotamo, uh, who plays Kelnaka, Headland wowed the crowd with a sneak peek of the upcoming show, which also, by the way, stars Carrie Ann Moss and Margarita Levieva, uh, and is currently in production. The Acolyte will stream on Disney Plus in 2024. I am inc- this this probably, in my opinion, I think this was the best trailer of mm-hmm. the day. Um, mm-hmm. It was absolutely incredible. What a phenomenal phenomenal way to just set the tone give us a sneak peek um i i think the there's there's like freaking dude oh my gosh carrie ann moss as a as a i guess a jedi a jedi master or, or something like that force user, force for user now, of some we'll kind yeah, absolutely yeah. phenomenal i think amanda Sten, um amanda stenberg with her dreads that she's got going on looks incredible mm-hmm. and that final shot of of just Jay Jung's character with with all the other you know looks like Jedi with the lightsabers in the forest. Yeah. I'm just the show oh, looks dude. so fantastic, and it, the, the cool thing about it is it to me it feels very much like yes, it's Jedi, but it's it's a dark tone shift for Jedi because it's focusing on the dark side, and I can't wait. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, watching this footage. Uh, online um i'm so grateful i was able to uh but this was outstanding and you can really tell like you know this is going to be a game changer for star wars just like andor was this past year i think this series will be a game changer it's going to give us more jedi than we've ever had i think you know since uh, i guess you know the prequels but it you know like you said nate it, it 
it has such a dark tone to it, which makes me think that this is obviously from the angle of the dark side, right? Like that is what it's been pitched as, you know, maybe they're the heroes or or the protagonists of the series, even though we know they are the villains. But, you know, I think what's great is the way Leslie Hedlund referenced the frozen Kill Bill vibe yeah, frozen meets of this series. Is, and I think that's a great uh, analogy because, you know, with Frozen, you do get a sense of sisterhood mm-hmm. and a connection while also seeing the clashing of the family dynamic at the same time. And I think that that's something that we could see sort of explored in this series through the Jedi and the Sith. And and I think, you know, the idea of Kill Bill, the martial arts, like in the moments with Carrie Ann Moss in this thing, which is just it's new ways to see the force wielding powers uh, you know, used, especially in a time period like the High Republic, where the Jedi are at their highest point of power. You know, we did see the the sort of collective Jedi in the prequel series leading up to the Revenge of the Sith. But that said, this show is really going to show the Jedi in their highest prestige of 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 what they are in the galaxy. Now, Darcy, you're a huge fan of the the book series from the High Republic. Um, would you say this is this is going to scratch that itch for you? Uh, 100%. The fact that they confirmed that one of the characters or Jedi we will be seeing is Vernestra Rowe from the High Republic books, it is, it has me so excited. And also, one of the things that kind of irked me about the High Republic book series is the fact that we're getting these blocks set at different time points. And the first block we got was set 200 years before the events of the Skywalker saga. And it sets up this incredible storyline with the uh, the gaze electric and uh, and the um, eye of the storm and all these people like trying to bring down the Jedi. And then they just jump back in time. So I think it's really cool that we're going to be seeing hopefully this story picked up and how these these enemies in the High Republic weren't working for the Sith, but were then eventually used by the Sith, Sith to bring about the Jedi downfall. It is so exciting to be a fan of, of the books and then see that we're finally going to get some of these books live action because I have have so many images in my head of how, what Vernestra Rowe and all these other Jedi would look like. And now we're actually going to get to see that. I cannot wait. That Jedi that you mentioned uh, is played by Rebecca Henderson, if I'm not mistaken, and that's mm-hmm. actually Leslie Hedlund's partner, if I'm oh, not wow. mistaken, as well. So very cool. If because uh, uh, she she has a lot of ins and outs of of what's going on with this story. I think in the press line when she was talking with Brandon Davis, she's like, "Oh, I, I know a lot. Uh, you don't want to. I, I can't tell you anything. <laughs> Leslie's coming. You can you can ask her those questions. Yeah, she'd um, be sleeping on the couch if that was the case." <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the 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 fact that they're going back and they're able to bring in these elements from the High Republic books that I think are so appreciated by fans. But, you know, some of us like myself who follow more of the visual medium, this could be the gateway introduction into the High Republic um, for me and other fans uh, of Star Wars. Well, Leslie said some words that made my heart sing as a as a Star Wars fan. She said, you know, samurai film schools of thought versus lone warriors. She said father, daughter, sibling, sibling, master, Padawan. And I think that's the biggest thing is is normally when we're talking about Star Wars families, we're talking about families that are coming together. And this seems like it might be a story about families clashing and conflicting Splishing, with yeah, each other, yeah. um, which is, is absolutely fantastic. I really, really cannot wait. Um, let's keep going here, uh, moving right along here. Uh, the Mandalorian. The focus shifted to Star Wars The Mandalorian as Kennedy invited the series executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni to the stage with huge applause. Uh, the duo, along with fellow producer Rick Femuyiwa, uh, were on hand for a discussion of the third season of the hit show, now streaming exclusively on Disney+. Following a special video greeting from 
from star Pedro Pascal. Uh, Daddy himself, fans were treated to a clip from next week's episode. Uh, afterwards, stars Giancarlo Esposito, Katie Sackhoff, Carl Weathers, and Emily Swallow joined the stage to announce uh, an announce story, a special sneak, spe- sneak peek screening of the upcoming episode for those in attendance later that evening. Uh, and so we, we had special wristbands on, Darcy and I, and we got to come back later that evening and actually watch uh, more than just six minutes. We got to watch the entire episode, uh, which by the time you're listening to this is out now. Uh, Such a fantastic episode. We'll be talking about it more with our Watch Club recap episode once the series wraps. Uh, But guys, let's let's just quickly get into this here. Um, You know, I think Dave mentioned during the panel um, so many different perspectives and so many different filmmakers are really what make the Mandalorian special. Uh, He mentioned Mm -hmm. they are stronger together like Mandalorians. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think one of the parts that was one of the highlights for when they were when they were chatting for me uh, was when uh, Filoni brought up Ahmed Best uh, and just, you know, he's like he was there the whole time. Um, He works with the younglings. It it, it made sense. uh, And they really paid a a good sort of chunk of the conversation to Ahmed Best and and his character, uh, which was really lovely to see. It's nice that they could openly talk about that now that it's obviously been revealed and, you know, it, it did really hit well. Because that's something that's like 50-50, right? Especially given the toxicity within the fandom at times. Um, but that said, I think everyone has 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 come together uh, to support uh, Ahmed Best on his journey uh, as he's, you know, been very open and transparent about what that's been looked like for him over over the past years uh, with, with Star Wars. And yeah, to, to, to see them lovingly talk about it, you know, and, and even continue that on the live stage, uh, you know, where they where they did kind of go a little deeper of, of kind of just affirming yeah like it, it makes sense that he would be the one that's there um it's you know again it shows that attention to detail that Filoni and Favreau have where they can pluck things out that you know could be yes a Luke Skywalker right for your your finale of who's going to train Grogu of season two or you know in this case the most likely person that would take care of Grogu and ensure his safety yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I think giving flowers, it was nice to see. Again, I think Dave Filoni, you know, they, they all gave him a lot of flowers and, and gave him a lot of uh, praise for, for his work. But I also really loved how they sort of um, followed it up, that up with, with mentioning that Rick has been a part of the series since episode one and really been there for pretty much every single uh, episode of the series. And, and he's been such a, a, a big part of the show. And uh, I love, there was a brief moment <laughs> where Dave took his hat off and put it on Rick and he looked, yeah. he looked yeah. fantastic. He should think oh, about yeah. maybe he can, adopting he could, he that could, style. He could pull that style off. No problem. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think, you know, it's so great to hear Filoni talk about the directors as, as fans themselves of, of the franchise and, of the storytelling that comes out of Star Wars that they that they want to bring it together and the analogy that they are a a clan of of Mandalorians in the sense that they're telling the story is uh is is such a good poignant way of highlighting, you know, the collectiveness that they have, their you know, their creed being Star Wars, if you will, right? And 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 whatnot. So um but to hear to see Rick and to get him get his flowers, like you said, date, it's great because he has been a huge part and he's obviously very important to executing this season uh of of the mandalorian uh yeah yeah he's i mean he's the he's he's doing the last two episodes i believe so the one yeah he did seven he did the one we've already watched and he's and now doing the finale this the week, finale yeah. oh so excited so excited 
Um, Darcy, did you have anything you wanted to mention before we move to the, the next one? Not really. You guys said it all. It was awesome seeing them talk about th- this type of stuff. I mean, the fact that they were happy that they were able to keep the whole uh, Ahmed Best appearance under wraps until that pop, I think, really helped make it land so much more to see him go through that. So it was really cool to him to talk about that. And again, like you said about Rick Femme, seeing how he's starting to be included as one of the guys who's been there since the beginning and cares just as much as, as Favreau and Filoni. So it, it's well, really awesome. The three Fs, they, they rock it out yeah. of the park. So Well, there, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Favreau, Filoni, yeah, Femi, Femi That's great. That's, yeah, yeah, that's great. Get that's great. that on a T-shirt. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. The only three Fs I want together. Um, I think I think the other thing, too, is that given that Filoni, you know, as we, we'll get to the news, but when Filoni goes and does his movie, you know, Rick will probably be able to help steer the the ship if there's anything going on in the series side, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, fr- from that standpoint. And I think everyone will come together, right? Like, everyone's is going to come together for, you know, to ensure that their best story iteration of, of what they're trying to achieve is 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 materialized in, in, in the theater uh, when Filoni gets to direct that movie. Well, you know, the theater is a, a little bit a ways away. Let's keep talking about the streaming side of things. Next up, yep. Jude Law, star of the upcoming Disney Plus original series, Skeleton Crew. Jude Law was was in attendance. I was blown away. Uh, took the stage to officially introduce his young co-stars, uh, Ravi Cabot Conyers. Uh, sorry if I'm butchering any of these. Kiriana Crotter and uh, Robert Timothy Smith. Uh, the series also stars yeah, Ryan Kiera Armstrong who was unable to attend Celebration. Uh, but the team shared insights about the series, their characters, and uh, to the delight of all, we got to see a sneak peek of the series, uh, which is currently in production. Skeleton Crew follows the journey of four kids who make a mysterious discovery on their seemingly safe home planet, uh, then get lost in a strange and dangerous galaxy. Finding their way home and meeting unlikely allies and enemies will be a greater adventure than they ever imagined. You know, we're going to be getting this from... Uh, showrunners John Watts and Christopher Ford, um, and then executive producers along with Favreau, Filoni, uh, Kennedy, and Wilson. Um, we're going to get some directors, including John Watts, again, uh, Christopher Ford, David Lowry, The Daniels, yeah. Daniel Kwan yeah. and Daniel Scheinert, uh, Jake Shear, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Lee Isaac Chung. Skeleton Crew will stream exclusively on Disney Plus in 2023. Let's talk about the Skeleton Crew footage or, I guess, teaser that we got to see, the now-in-production teaser. Um, you know, I think Kathleen Kennedy mentioned Amblin vibes. And oh, yeah. boy, howdy, did we get Amblin vibes. Like, to the point where there is a, a an actual suburban Suburb. neighborhood yeah. in Star in Star yeah, I didn't, Wars. I didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see. No one. Someone did post it, but then it was taken down, and then some stills circulated. So I did see this suburban uh, area, and it, it kind of threw me for a loop. But then when you know everyone seemed to have really talked about with the Amblin vibe, the Goonies adventure, if you will. And so good. And a lot of people were saying like a very Stranger Things kind of vibe. Do too, they have space with, bikes? With, like, do they have little speeders that are like little? <laughs> <laughs> they have to pedal and then them. what is their what is their synth music sound like for oh. that era? Right. Like, I think though that what's nice about this panel and and them presenting all of this stuff is we're seeing different type of genre styles within the larger genre that is Star Wars. Uh, you know, you got your your Kill Bill Frozen, I would say even more true detective vibes with Alkalite, right? You got Mandalorian, which is your Western, and then you have, you know, this this kid's adventure here. You're really getting a breadth of of all of what Star Wars is, is being imagined for its future that does now inherently feel different 
from the Skywalker saga, right? It'll always connect back to that saga, but like it's so nice to see you know, this this is going to be a little different. I think this is because a lot of people were saying that the suburbs threw them for a loop. But what does that look like? Like that that hasn't been explored. Why can't it be explored at the same time? Right. Like, why can't it be explored? So I think it's it's really cool to see what they're doing. And their director's list is like some of the best. Like, yeah, you got the Daniels. We got David Lowry in there. Yeah. Right. And it's just I, I, I don't know. Like, I think that. With everyone that they've brought in, again, it's it's going to be interesting to see how these these directors connect to these stories as being not just fans of Star Wars, but maybe fans of these kinds of of genre stories, the adventure stories, the coming of age stories, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think this this series is going to be really cool because it's showing us a side of Star Wars we've never seen before, and mm-hmm. it's to me, I've always I've always wondered what it's like to be an average Joe or someone growing up in this universe, and it's going to be really cool to explore that with this this cast. Yeah, more I mean, than a broom boy. I am also curious <laughs> because again, we don't have much timeline reference for this series, so seeing Jude uh, Jude Law as a Jedi Master who is you know kind of taking these kids on this crazy I wish adventure. They didn't I that, though. I love it. That yeah. to me, because yeah. I was worried that we were going to be up. the big villain of the series. So no, getting yeah. that reveal that we will have a well, Jedi yeah. guiding yeah. these kids was an exciting, uh, such an exciting moment. And I, I'm, I'm so stoked for this show. Like this, the streaming services that they are shows they've got coming for us are also oh, incredible. It's, we're going to cannot eat wait. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel oh, like. Yeah. I'm going to feel like you guys after that con, I'll be wanting to sit on my (laughs) bidet to just clean it out and reflect. (laughs) I don't know what he's talking about, listeners, but I will say, um, dude, I think you you really nailed it, though, Darcy, when you mentioned like the idea that like like kids, right? This is this is following kids outside of young Anakin Mm. and Kitster. Um, we we haven't really gotten young kids. Broom boy, these, man. The, broom, broom boy. boy. Okay, whatever. <laughs> these kids are so young. Ali Plum uh, was asking them, you know, what's sort of some of the first memories that they ever had of Star Wars. And one of the kids mentioned that he had a Star Wars onesie as a like a baby, and like that was one of his his memories. I'm like, these kids are pretty young if they're remembering their first uh, onesie. Um, I think it's cool the idea that. You know, dads and and brothers uh, inspired some of these kids, along with Princess mm-hmm. Leia, of course, uh, being the course, inspiration yeah. for for one of them as well. And um, yeah, I have yeah. to say, a little child Ortolan, like a little kid Ortolan, uh, Max yeah. Rebo looking <laughs> character. I don't know if he is, is he, an Ortolan or not. He looks he like is, it though. He is apparently. That's that's that. I am that was so freaking stoked for that <laughs> because you see this little kid. He's adorable. He's so cute. But he's got this little in the in the stills that we saw the production stills. He's got the sort of avatar headband yeah. thing on for for uh performance yeah, yeah. The behind the scenes stills yeah those were so those stoked. were available online pretty readily and and it was clear that there was going to be some cgiing that was going to happen but i think it's great that they're going to mix the diversity of of like the species of kids which i think is really great but going back to the reveal of, of jude law's jedi yeah it, it, it would pop off you know he is going to be a jedi it's great to hear that he is a jedi uh, I, I would have liked, though, if they had left that for the show to be the reveal, where it could have been the bit of the mystery of who is this spaceman, and then it is sort of revealed that he is a Jedi, because, you know, that I'm, I know that a lot of people were saying that about um, Luthen in, uh, in Andor, you know, that reveal that he's, you know, a Jedi that's in hiding. Uh, I think it would have been cool to, to see that. I thought the timeline was, was pretty definitive. It's happening during the Mandoverse. Like it's I happening think that's what in they this told pocket us. of yeah, I think we've heard the, that. We don't know where, obviously, but yes, it's happening yes, in yeah. there. We're hap- it's happening in that time frame because they like when we get to obviously again the the news of Filoni directing a movie connected to all. He has referenced that some things 
from Skeleton Crew would tie into that, uh, you know, into the the larger story of that. So, you know, Ahsoka, Mando, Skeleton Crew, who knows what else they come out with within that time frame or pocket of time that could feed into the larger film that they're trying to, you know, create like a, a massive event with. Yeah, I think there was a pirate from the Mandalorian series. I'm not remembering his name. I know it starts with a V. Uh, Val or Ven or something like that. Vane. Vane? Um, he's, I think he's going to be in this Skeleton Crew show, um, which I think is really, really cool because we know that he cool. he dipped in Mando. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I am so stoked They didn't get a this. ship? I think it's they didn't get him fun. at the end They didn't of get Mando? him. He's, no, he's he threw away, out. yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, but let's keep going here. Transitioning to, I think, this year's uh, most highly anticipated Star Wars series, Favreau and Filoni confirmed that Ahsoka starring Rosario Dawson in the title role will premiere exclusively on Disney Plus this August 2023. Set after the fall of the Empire, Ahsoka follows the former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano as she investigates an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy. Dawson took the stage and unveiled a teaser poster for the series, uh, after which she was joined by co-stars Natasha Leo Bordizo, who plays Sabine Wren, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who announced that she will be playing Hera Sandula. Uh, which got a huge cheer from the crowd and Justin <laughs> I when he was at home he woke up his baby uh, the presentation <laughs> the presentation concluded with a new teaser trailer for the Disney Plus original series uh, which we're going to talk about that trailer um, we're going a bit out of order because we also did attend a Saturday Ahsoka panel uh, Darcy and I and Let's just say there was a recut trailer with a, a little bit of extra footage that we'll be sure mm-hmm. to be chatting about. Um, but let's start with that trailer. Um, just the words at the very beginning. Something's coming. Something dark. I sense it. Reminded me so much of the first trailer we got for The Force Awakens. Just mm-hmm. the, the, the the narration at the beginning. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really amped for this. Uh, before I go off and just <laughs> just talk about all this stuff. Darcy, I want to know what were your thoughts of this uh both of these trailers. Well, I mean, first off, it was incredible to see these these characters we know so well from the animated series fully fleshed out in live action. Uh Sabine and Hera are inc- fan favorites obviously for for so many obvious reasons. It's really cool to see how they've really took the time to bring these characters to to life properly. But then that reveal of first the back of his head and then in that recut trailer we get to see the face. Oh, buddy. This is something we've been waiting for for so long. That Thrawn is finally coming to live action. Little little is... behind the little behind the scenes here. Darcy, we we have to get up super early to get to any of these panels. Oh God, even yeah. to get to the even for this one. This was a streaming stage one that we got where we sit in a room and watch a screen. We had to wake up at like 5 a.m. just to get there. Um and and Darcy was kind of nodding off a little bit. And so thank goodness they did the one more time. They streamed the trailer one more time for us. But I remember you were just sitting there and you were like asleep. And then you kind of, oh, oh, who was it? And we, I was asking you, who, who was that? Who was that? And you're like, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't know. I was I was like half asleep. I, I was dozing <laughs> off because they were taking their time. With I found with that panel specifically that they were kind of spreading it out and taking their time talking about anything they could find before they could do that big trailer drop at the end. So I, I will be honest. And this is for the Saturday off. panel, correct? This is, you're <laughs> yes, talking about this is Saturday specific. morning. Yeah. 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 The, the specific Ahsoka panel, um, 
I I heard from from some people that it, it seemed like they did kind of stretch it out. You know, they, mm-hmm. because because the day before they had some reveals, they were just kind of treading on those reveals already, and then they gave you obviously this this lovely new mixed supercut, which did see that one on How'd you the do Reddit it? thread. On the Reddit thread, uh. man, I'm so grateful for those people that that leaked those things. The the idea that the panel kind of stretched itself because the big reveal was that mixed footage and the announcement of of Lars Mikkelsen as as Thrawn. I think that so good. everyone it was everyone knew it was going to happen. I I was I was on the boat though after Friday when we saw the back of the head that I'm like could it could it be Alan Cummings? Could Ooh. Alan Cummings be Ooh. be playing Thrawn because it looked like him from the back of the head just the way the hair was shaped and stuff like that. But there are some people on Twitter uh, Brian Ward, I think his name is. He's like a, an illustrator, graphic designer, and he he loves Star Wars. Um, but he took that that clip. He took uh, Mickelson's head, even though it was front facing, and lined and reversed it to to to, to, to sort of <laughs> light it, and it lined up perfectly. It lined up perfectly. And then the next day, they dropped the news, and like it was it was pretty crazy. Good job, buddy. Good job. Some buddy. ear forensics. Um, Get this guy a job at New <laughs> Rockstars. Um, just getting back to the the trailer. Um, you know, I think Morgan Elsbeth uh, is is going to be playing a bigger role. She was in attendance. Sure. The the actress who plays her was in attendance at the uh, at the convention. Uh, and you know, we start off by seeing Ahsoka fighting Morgan's uh, Corvus droids. Um, and I'm wondering the location that she's in. It's it's. It, it, I'm wondering if it's Bis uh, or Tython. Um, but I, I will say the trailer looked like we're going to be going to a lot of places that we've never seen before in Star Wars. And I think that makes me really excited. I think there's a lot of visual theming of, of well, maps and things like that. Um, and I, I love that she did she did the spin with the sabers like she did in the yeah. final episode of Clone Wars. I was just so pumped that they were able to pull that off. So good. Well, I, I honestly think that the trailer kind of sets up some reveals for... Uh, us returning to a world between worlds uh, like uh, we did in uh, uh, Rebels, uh, I think it was the fourth season, because when she lands in that temple, you can see the etchings of the the of those starry that starry system on the on the stone walls. Ooh. And inevitably later in the trailer, we will see her lighting a saber in what looks to be a world between worlds. So I think I think we're going to be revisiting that. I, that might be a key to how we get Ezra back. In my opinion, like I think she's going to return the favor, if you will, uh, by trying to go back in time to help Ezra and get him back because she did he did it for her. Right. And, and, And saved her. I don't care about Ezra Chopper in live action again <laughs> oh, for the yeah. first time since Rogue One. No, I do care about Ezra. It's cool to see a little version of him, which I think is maybe a hollow message. Like it's not live or anything like that. But getting to see Chopper with his blah blah blah, uh, and uh, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead in live action, Harrison Dula uh, flying the Phantom. Uh, just looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, and the music. Can I talk about those strings? Uh, I think it was Kevin Kiner was announced as the mu- yes, as the yes. composer. Um, and he's just been creating some of the best Star Wars music lately. Between him, Joseph Shirley on The Mando Season 3, Nicholas Patel on Andor. Star Wars music is just like its narratives in that it is fantastic across the board when we get so many different voices, voices uh, yeah. and influences involved. Um, sounds, you know, yeah. seeing Genevieve O'Reilly uh, show up as as Mon Mothma, uh, Chancellor of the New Republic, uh, yeah. was really really cool. Darcy, huh. live action Lothcat, are you stoked? 
I mean, I kind of stoked about that. I'm also very <laughs> stoked about Sabine oh. wielding. Is that Ezra's lightsaber? It looks yes. like yeah. Like she's, she's using the fact it, that we're yeah. st- we're getting a, a lightsaber wielding Sabine again, w- without the dark saber being mentioned at all, is just is so cool. I cannot wait to see what the story behind that is. And again, the journey to find Ezra, because that's what I think that's what we're all going to watch for. We've seen we've got all the There's, ghost crew yeah. now live action except for him. Bring him to the stage uh, screen, well, the, please. I want to know what happens. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I think the biggest standout for the tone of of you know the trailer and the 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 remix version with with the heightens is a level of mystery and like thriller esque uh, detective style. Uh, there seems like there's there's this obviously like this this larger mission that's at play while there's also a larger threat. Uh, you know the 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 word drop of heir to the empire empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is is a huge mm-hmm. is a huge indication of of the source source material inspiration, especially given the fact that Filoni has talked about working with Timothy Zahn, the creator of Thrawn, and and to to help you know materialize that character in a most the most honest way for you know a live action adaptation. I think again, it's all just a really good mixing of of bringing it in and. I'm glad that you know both Filoni and Favreau have gone on the record now over the, this celebration weekend to say like, yeah, we you know we're pulling things from all over and the stuff that's extended that is no longer canon, they're they're putting their hands in there, they're putting their hands in there, they're grabbing things and they're pulling it in, and I and I love that they're they're able to do that. That that's sort of the the level of of trust that that Kennedy has with them that they can go back to that extended and say okay yeah we're going to bring this over because that makes the most sense right you can't make it all star wars canon leave some of it outside and just bring it back in as it makes sense for the stories that you're telling and i think that's why you know we're going to see a lot more of that happening in 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 a lot of ways well i mean dave's been doing that with with timothy zahn's Thrawn since since Rebels and yeah exactly it's going to yeah. be no different here and and even better that it is Lars Mikkelsen. I also want to shout out the the new orange sabered um I, I, you know force users that we got Balin Skull played by Ray Stevenson uh, and Shin Hati played by uh, Ivana Sakno. Uh, new Rockstars did a, a really wonderful comparison here where they mentioned Skull and Hotney. Uh, if you are, er, sorry, Hati, if you're a fan of, of God of War Ragnarok uh, recently, you'll recognize those names as the two wolves from Norse mythology uh, responsible for, this, for the cycle of the days, sun and moon. Um, did you guys notice Shin's uh, Padawan braid? I was so stoked yeah. to see a Padawan braid there, which which gives me the the idea that maybe they, you know, the, you know, especially with the series being about Ahsoka, maybe they aren't necessarily dark side users. I mean, they've got orange sabers, not necessarily no, red I think, sabers. I think this might be just an exploration of the gray Jedi. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think we're we might be exploring that a little bit more in 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 this series, especially given the fact that our story is around Ahsoka, who is you know she ain't no Jedi. So uh, I think that that's also another part of of that exploration. Just a couple of things I really wanted to quickly mention just before we move on here. Uh, Yes, Darcy, you mentioned it earlier. Sabine with what looks like Ezra's saber, but also a speeder bike scene on what looked like the Lothal Highway from the first episode of Rebels was so just made my heart sing. Uh, And then, I mean, come on. The, the purgle near miss at the end with the giant purgle flying up. I'm just, I mean, if we were happy to see a shadow of a purgle before, I cannot wait to see 
you know, a, a full blown uh, group, maybe a full group of Purgles uh, right on the screen as they start to look for Thrawn and uh, and Ezra. So freaking stoked. Um, Yeah, to see the Purgles at the end of that that hype reel was was pretty outstanding but it also like again there's another layer to to this i think we might be doing some flashback um i'm seeing sabine with short hair long hair it's throwing yep. me for a loop i'm wondering if if yeah i'm wondering if we're gonna see kind of like where they left off versus where they are uh sort of a lost sort of thing where you know we're kind of time jumping i know nate you get a little you get a little chubby when you get that that lost going so it's like <laughs> <laughs> so give I me think... flashbacks dude well and yeah, especially no, flash... especially but the fact it's, that it's it's flashbacks to things in rebels that right. maybe we you didn't know... get to see Right, right, but we, really cool. we, you know, like last celebration, you guys saw the footage of her standing, Sabine standing in front of the mural. Like mm-hmm. that is how Rebels ended. Uh, but just to go off of what we were talking about, yeah, seeing, hearing the news that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is, uh, is Hera. I think this is fantastic. She's going to do such a great job. I'm excited to see her more mature, uh, still very, uh, very talented pilot. Uh, persona, but you know she's been matured, and you know, do we see Jason? You know, that's that's the biggest asterisk. Uh, you know, Kanan and her son. Um, but also, you guys mentioned Sabine with the lightsaber. It's going to be really interesting to see her wielding this lightsaber, as you mentioned, Nate, given her experience with the dark saber and how that all plays into it. So, yeah, like I'm, I have a lot of questions after seeing not just the extended footage, but the actual trailer. Like, I, I'm very excited to see how they, you know, bring Ahsoka's next chapter to live action. Um, I will say, though, I have started my Rebels rewatch. I would love to know from Disney uh, how what's the stats on people clicking rewatch right now on, on that. Like, Rebels must be getting a massive uptick, especially after this weekend. Because I was like, after this weekend, I was like, oh, yeah, I am starting my Rebels rewatch. And I'm almost done season one. So it's like, you know, I'm ready to go and there's four seasons i might watch it twice between now and and uh, uh <laughs> ahsoka and i mean filoni uh did a great interview with ign just shouting out mm-hmm. ign again where you know i think it was asked the question was you know is is um was it, do you need to watch uh rebels to understand ahsoka uh and he very very clearly said of no course. you you don't yeah, but it course. definitely uh, definitely adds to it. What, but, the, but see, my thing is, is that when you ask a filmmaker that question, right, especially when it comes to Star Wars, the natural answer is no, of course not. You don't need to watch it, right? Because, you know, you'll, you'll get the pieces that you need throughout. Like, they're not going to say specifically you have to, right? right? They're not even saying that you have to watch the Book of Boba Fett to understand The Mandalorian Season 3. But right. realistically, we all know you kind of do if you left at Season 2 and they were apart and suddenly they're back together. You're like, did I miss something? Yes, you missed a season about another Mandalorian where we told the story about this Mandalorian. Like, it's just, it's it's so funny. So I don't know if it's really a point of asking that question because the natural response is always going to be no, because these should be siloed as their own. And I think that's why we will get those flashbacks. We will get those moments for the larger audience that is being introduced to Ahsoka through this series. But you know that there is going to be a ton of, if you know, you know moments that are going to call back to Clone Wars. They're going to call back to Rebels. And they're going to call back to the, for the fans who did pay attention and did watch the animated series or grew up with it. So I love the the... Fast and Furious style moments where they, you know, it's been a long time or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the so only person good. we didn't see is Zeb, but we know he's coming. He's got to be uh, there. You know, and I, like again, like you guys said, like you guys got the the hit of of Mickelson 
in in that remix. I, I do think the reason why it, that you know there wasn't a press photo, it wasn't put in the original trailer, is because they're saving that for the finale of of the Mandalorian, whether that's an end credit stinger or or something along those lines, because inevitably that's going to happen, and then everyone's going to be on the loop. Right. So now that they've got the confirmation of who's an act, you know, that's kind of why they think they've reserved it. But I also heard some of the visual effects in in, in um, the extended one that you guys watched were not like finalized, like they were presentable, if you will. But some of it looked a little rough in, in areas. Sure. But Lars looked phenomenal. He looked spot on. Yeah, he looked exactly. phenomenal. They could the be, red eyes. I heard that there could be working on nailing a, a different kind of blue as well. Like that might not be the final blue that they are settling on, but they might, they might tweak the blue. It was a bit too blue man group for, for the that's, Thrawn. That's what I love. was, yeah, more, yeah. more sky blue or pale blue yeah. that we, we know from rebels particularly. But again, it was the, the fact that we got that confirmation and that it is Lars Mikkelsen returning to the role. Let's the big go. Pop. I like, yeah, we were, it's funny that morning we were in line talking to Ollie, uh, our, our British friend that we met over there, and we were talking about who we think could play it. And I was like, I can't see, I can't picture or at least hear anyone other than Lars Mikkelsen because he did such a good job in the series. And he was mentioning, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch would be a great option. And yeah. while that did excite me, getting the confirmation that it is actually Lars Mikkelsen was so much more rewarding because it's, again, we're familiar with him already, and this is just another chance to for him to bring this character to life in a new way. And it's ah, so exciting to be a Star Wars fan right now. So good. So good. Um, but let's get to, let's get to what's, what's coming uh, in the, the future, maybe far future. Just before we do that, there was a short brief moment where we got to look at the past. Uh, we got to see a wonderful tribute uh, to the incredible work of Oscar winning creature and special makeup effects supervisor, Neil Scanlon, uh, dozens of his most famous creations took to the stage um, along with like, you know, we've got like the original, one of the original Yoda puppets. We saw all of them there. Some of the creatures from the force awakens uh, the last Jedi um, and the, the prequel trilogy as well um, just looked absolutely fantastic. I wish I, the only thing I was thinking, I'm like, Oh, I would have loved to have spent 9 million hours and drained my full phone battery and then drained Darcy's full phone battery, taking pictures up didn't close and personal them out, with though, them across the floor. Um, like, didn't they no, have, they were, didn't they, they have, they were just no? on the uh, no. just on the stage. I, thought, I know the Tauntaun was on the floor. I know they we had did some get a of, like, Tauntaun. The... Yeah, we get it. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that they had like a couple like uh, like setup moments where it looked like these these were actual props and characters from from the movie, but they just they didn't do like the whole Mando experience that they did last would have been last cool. year. Would have been cool. Yeah, would have been cool. Yeah. Um, but then listen, we got the huge hugest news. Kennedy revealed that Star Wars will head into the future with a new feature set. Uh, 15 years after the last events of the Skywalker saga, Charmin Obeyed Chinoy will tell the story of rebuilding the new Jedi Order uh, and the powers that rise to tear it down. Uh, the director then delighted fans by welcoming Daisy Ridley to the stage, confirming she will be reprising her beloved role as Rey in the upcoming movie. Uh, we we got that. Let's stop right here. Let's talk about that really quickly. 
super exciting to have Ray back. Daisy looked like she was through the moon, excited to be just continuing on with Star Wars. Uh, and I think Charmaine obeyed Chinoy. Um, I'm really pumped and, and amped for, for her kind of be to be taking that on um, and to, to just kind of see the graphic that we got of seeing the, you know, the new Jedi Order as the, the next phase, if you will, uh, was really, really cool. And I, I kind of like the direction of this. You know, they're not coming out and saying this is the next trilogy. They're just saying we got a new film no, on yeah. the horizon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the smart way to go about it. Like, they, they can't shoot themselves in the foot and say, like, we're starting a new trilogy and this is going to be the first one. That sets too many expectations. Like, I like the idea that they're focusing on just wanting to tell at least this story and then they'll see what's next. I'm interested, though. Like, I love that Daisy Ridley's coming back. I'm just interested in, in the idea of wanting to tell a story 15 years after, especially given the fact that she was kind of the end to the Skywalker saga. Right. So are we going to be continuing that? How much of the influences from the Skywalker saga are going to find their way in there? It, there's just a lot of a lot of questions versus the other the other two movies that were announced that seem a little bit more outside of all of that. However, you have this outstanding filmmaker as talented as Charmaine. So that is is a big draw for me uh, into this, as well as the fact that Daisy Ridley is coming back. So I'm generally interested. I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. Um, my biggest question, though, is. Do they get John Boyega back? Because like Slash Film said it best, like John Boyega does not need Star Wars, but Star Wars needs John Boyega. And like I could see I could see Kennedy having a very serious conversation with John Boyega and wanting to bring him back as part of it because they are they like again as part of the closure to the rise of Skywalker. They were that family unit that we left with. Right. And Poe as well. So like, you know, yes, we have Ray. Are we going to get those other characters back? Are we going to see them come back? Are we going to see BB-8? Probably BB-8, right? Like, mm -hmm. of course, mm -hmm. we're going to see BB-8. Uh, more toys and stuff. I hope he's. I hope I, he's like a rusty and he's kind of like almost I hope sort he's of like chopper. salty. He's yeah, just kind like of like super, a chopper. Like, yeah, he's just grumpy and shit, <laughs> so and he's just good. like, I got to take care of these kids <laughs> and stuff. But like, I, I don't know. I just think that you know, given where we left things off in Rise of the Skywalker, the sense of closure. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it seems like you can't not revisit those things, but I guess, I don't know, maybe something drove them apart. I don't know. So, I mean, my biggest thing I'm looking forward to is the, the arguments that the fandom that will have, that we know they will have in the fact that is Rey truly a Jedi? Because people are, are right now, people are even arguing that is Luke a true Jedi master? So what, what are they saying about Rey who had probably even less training than Luke did? And now she's going on to start her own thing. It's, it's an interesting time to be exploring, and I, I am looking forward to it because I like Star Wars. So more Star Wars stories is always good. Oh, for sure, I totally agree. But I'm just worried that are like, are we just gonna get like again like the the George Lucas poetry aspect where it's like, you know, one of her pupils goes to the dark side, then she's got to like, you know, she ends up falling victim to that, and it destroys. We saw it with Luke and Ben. We didn't even really see it, like you said, like it's all you know fed to us through expositional parts in in uh you know nate's favorite star wars movie the last jedi uh, but um you know one like of, how how are we <laughs> how are we going to to see see something that's going to be maybe different from from what has been done uh but what that still also kind of calls back right because I, I i'm all about like you know the cycle of things continuing um you know but you know Again, it's it's like how how are we gonna how are we gonna layer that in and make it make it different at the same time? But it's interesting because this is the I guess the farthest out in the timeline that we are getting, while also hearing James Mangold's gonna be doing the very first 
you know, biblical style, you know, Passion of the Jedi style movie. <laughs> I like that idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the the biggest difference with this upcoming movie set fifteen years in the in the future uh, is Charmin's uh, directorial capabilities, and I think I think that's going to be really refreshing. And I, I do think that they are going to. Um, I think they're going to give us something different. I'm, I'm really looking forward to those, look forward those to first it. takes yeah. of the the trailer or the teaser um, that maybe we'll in get Tokyo? to see in Tokyo. Probably not not that early. But um, Kennedy also announced, yes, that James Mangold will take audiences deep into the past, telling the tale of the first Jedi to wield the Force and harness it as a liberating power in an era of chaos and oppression. Uh, Darcy, I think this is right up your your bag here obviously you know we were just talking about your love of the high republic um this looks like it's going past even earlier than the old republic um dawn you know, of the jedi how far are we 25,000 years yeah, yeah. 25,000 years before the skywalker skywalker saga so this is again completely uncharted territory even in the expanded universe so it's just there's so much potential here to tell a completely new story that will set up everything else that we've already enjoyed and passion of the like, Jedi. I'm telling the you, fact man. that <laughs> the fact that we are set this, this, you know, the show is, or sorry, the series of star Wars is, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We're going further back than that. Will there be starships? Will there be space travel? Like, is this going to be a primitive single planet you know, mm. story that then leads to this, you know, star, are we on star faring enterprise that is the Jedi? Like it's, it is so cool, and I'm so excited that, that that this is this is coming up for us because again, wholly original Star Wars is is not something that we get a lot because Filoni and Favreau are so inspired by the expanded universe that this this story seems like it is going to be an entirely fresh but, take on what it means to be a Jedi. But have the seeds already been planted throughout Star Wars already that go back? Like I think we're going to be going back to Octu. Right, uh, the symbol that they use for the dawn of the Jedi, the time period that James Mancold's story will be, will be focused in, is the same symbol that was in that that temple that they sat, that he and uh, Luke and Ray sat around, you know, of the Jedi in the dark and the and the light. And I think that that's very much where we're going to see the the beginnings of that. But also, like I know in Clone Wars, I think it was um, season three, um, they they did that whole Anakin story where he goes to, I think it's. I think it's called Atlar of of Mortis, where it's the the father, the, the father, father, son, and brother, a father, brother, daughter. daughter type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and talking about that, like, are we going to see sort of, you know, that story? Because like they seem more spiritually connected in 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 this in that in in Clone Wars. Do we see them as actual, you know, people before they kind of transcend, you know, and and become something more? I, I don't know. It's obviously, I just feel like there's already been some stuff that's already hinted at this. And it's really refreshing, like you said, though, that there there's going to be a new take and a new approach. But I still think they can still pull from what's already what we've already gotten in, in Star Wars canon and lore, for sure. But I love the idea that we're going so far back that ships might not float. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ships might not even take off. Is this going to be on one planet? Do we not? Do we see the invention of the lightsaber? What are the weaponry that they're going to be using? And I think that's such a wonderful way that James Mangold can give us a a really fresh take on what we know as Star Wars. And maybe the, it's going to say, you know, a long, long, long time ago. Uh, and then we keep adding more longs uh, as we go <laughs> along. Um, but listen, expanding upon Star Wars storytelling in the present, uh, Dave Filoni is going to get his own 
movie as a director. Um, Not animated. No, we were hoping it was animated, but still really cool. He's going to be orchestrating uh, the the escalating war between the Imperial Remnant uh, and the fledgling New Republic. Alongside producer John Favreau, they are going to bring together many of the threads from of, of the Star Wars original series in a cinematic event. So this could include pretty much anything from the Mandoverse, Mandalorian, Ahsoka. Yeah. Maybe the kids from Skeleton Crew are going to be somewhere in here uh, as well. Uh, and uh, And I am so... So excited for this. Um, you know, is there, is there anything specific that you guys think? Is this going to be... Is Do you think... One thing I was wondering, do you think this is going to be um, a, a cap for these series? Or is this a just a major event and then we might be seeing more seasons down the road of Mando or Ahsoka or what have you? Well, I, I shake my head, but then at the same time, I don't know. Uh, because I think it, I think there, it could be, but then that means that this would be very far out. This movie is very far out. Like, one thing to really preface with all these movie dates, movie announcements, there was no dates that were announced. There was no thing. This is just, we are bringing Star Wars back to the theory. No titles. Uh, the theaters. Yeah, no titles. You know, no, no, there was there was very little details other than filmmakers that are attached to it. And based on the news that's been coming out with Star Wars leading up to Star Wars Celebration with movies being canceled, that with these new announcements, it sort of feels like I'll believe it when I see it. It sounds really cool. All of it sounds really great. But at the same time, you know, we know that Tremaine's story is being worked on heavily. James Mangold's story hasn't been written. I think Filoni's story has obviously been mapped out, but has there really been a draft of a script? So they're all at different phases of production. And while in an interview on IGN, Kathleen Kennedy actually said, you know, a lot of the movies that were canceled, they're not necessarily canceled, they're shelved. And apparently Kevin Feige, yeah, he had an idea, but it never materialized to anything. But then we also know that Michael Waldron was working on a script, so it's, it's all a little confusing. Again, there's just a lot of uncertainty about where these movies will inevitably land and how they will land. But to give Filoni a movie and to know that that was very much built into the uh, the larger story of what they were doing with Mandalorian, because in that same interview on IGN with Kathleen Kennedy, she said, this has been 10 years in the making getting Filoni to be a director to direct a movie. By giving him all this experience on set through the TV series, allowing him to kind of learn from from every single filmmaker that he was had the opportunity to work with having Filoni direct something into in the theatrical space really does celebrate Filoni and, hit, and give him his flowers for for all the work he's done in Star Wars. Whenever this movie comes out, it's fantastic news to hear that Filoni will be credited as a director of a Star Wars movie. So, so excited for all of it. I think Filoni deserves that and more. And I can't wait to see mm -hmm everything this guy does in the future. Um, you know, Mangold being the filmmaker uh, or the director behind Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny stayed on stage to wrap up the Lucasfilm panel. Uh, we got to see a never-before-seen, you know, final trailer uh, and then an extensive look at the film and a, a new poster. Um, obviously, we're going to try to keep things to Star Wars, but really quickly, I will just say um, the the you know, look that we got at the film. I think it was about, what was it? Six minutes or eight minutes or something like yeah, that. Six minutes. Um, and it was Indiana Jones as Indiana Jones could, could be, um, you know, a, a chase scene um, through, you know, the streets of Tangiers, um, Indy, Helena, and then some kid, uh, they were, they're on a tuk tuk and they're, they're driving through the city and they're it, to me, I was saying to Darcy, as soon as the, the footage wrapped up, I'm like, I felt like we were just on the ride. 
Like it, it felt like a ride at Disney of them just like, no, turn here. And like, no, you know, and just dodging all this stuff. And yeah, I'm when super you watch it excited. Out of context. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So yeah. good. Uh, but let's let's kind of let's that that was just Friday. Um, <laughs> we're, we're almost through this entire podcast. Um, but we, you know, obviously Saturday was the Ahsoka panel. We already covered that. Uh, Sunday, we had the Disney Parks panel. Uh, Darcy, anything you want to shout out from the Disney Parks panel? I mean, just the fact that we're getting new Star Tours is, is probably the biggest mm. takeaway for me from that thing. They, they yeah. spent a lot of time talking about Galactic Star Cruiser, which I will take what they say with a grain of salt because they like talking about how good they are doing and not necessarily about how how bad how people bad are, it is. Are, yeah. are talking yeah. about this. That Star Tours announcement at the end of the panel was was incredible. The fact that we will be getting going to new places that we haven't seen yet, new places that we might not never see in a screen. They're just going to they'll create worlds for this ride alone, I think is really special because it's a massive galaxy. Tell us more stories as we go through it in any form you can. And the fact that this this ride will have specific stories that you can only experience by riding it, I think is really special. Yeah, it makes the ride that much more special is what I was going to mm-hmm. say, I think, to to be able to tell those stories and to see those places in the ride. And that's the, the best part of Star Tours. They're leaning into the idea that they can show new worlds and, and take you on new adventures there. Whereas, like, you know, the Millennium Falcon, they can definitely do that. That's, that's I think, an opportunity down the line. You know, Rise of the Resistance, that's Rise of the Resistance. You know what I mean? Like, that is a ride that is set in that that sort of story and told. And, you know, if they wanted to do anything else, future or past, they would have to retrofit it into the existing uh, layout, right? But, you know, you could go on a different adventure in in uh, the Millennium Falcon. And, you know, again, it's just this idea of, like, as you said, Darcy, how you experience the level of storytelling through the ride experience. I think that that's, that's absolutely great. Super stoked for for all of that and to see what new characters we might get walking around the parks as well. Um, I think they've gotten a food? little bit... No, nothing around food. We did get to see a picture of uh, some Ronto wraps, which made me very hungry. <laughs> um, but, you know, we did get uh, a sweet, you know, playlist number two of Rex's music from Oga's Cantina, yeah. uh, which is out May the 4th. Um, and we got the playlist a little bit early. Uh, and Justin, don't worry, we got you a code, so don't worry about that. Um, nice. We also got Gaia's music is also going to be coming out May 4th. Gaia is the performer on the Halcyon of the Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, and we got a sweet just, poster, yeah. Um, yeah. which Darcy, you were saying looked very uh, cream-esque. Oh, yes. It's straight up 60s, 70s psychedelic rock poster vibes. Bright cool. colors, like super, super trippy, but still incredibly Star Wars. Oh, that so, sounds great. I mean, that that, I'll, g- I'll give it to them. At least Gaia seems very interesting. <laughs> yeah, very I, cool. I, the Galactic Cruiser, it's a shame that it's not necessarily doing as well, but I think they they put a lot of money into it and they're expecting a lot of people to pay money and it just it's not a return on investment. Uh, I, they're already discounting trips there. Mm-hmm. So and mm-hmm. apparently even... The, the experience itself is just a little, it's not entirely the Star Wars experience that people had hoped. Well, I can't wait to go there someday after 2025 when we've recovered financially <laughs> from both this trip and that one uh, and hopefully can afford to go on to the Halcyon uh, when it's been, you know, battle tested. I think that's one of the best parts is that if, if you wait, it's it's going to get better. Um, we did get an 11 a.m. Uh, panel on the final day. We managed to get into the standby line which it was very difficult, but we managed to do it uh, for the Bad Batch panel. Darcy and I got there for about 6.20. 
uh, in the morning and just barely made it through onto the celebration stage. Uh, and on stage uh, was supervising director Brad Rao, head writer Jennifer Corbett, executive producer Athena Portillo, and of course, the Bad Batch themselves, D. Bradley Baker <laughs> and voice of Omega, Michelle Ong. Um, the love these fantastic people have for not just Star Wars, uh, but Star Wars animation um, and for the Bad Batch was was palpable. You could feel it uh, in the room. Um, a couple of highlights from the the panel specifically. Um, you know, I think it was it was really lovely to hear um, D. You know, kind of talking about how children have a really great sense of forgiveness and and how that might play out in in something that we might sort of come to see between Omega and Crosshair. He he mentioned that the education that a child's sort of unclouded uh, mind can can sort of deliver to you know th- these lessons to their parents um, is is really on highlight. He's and so he's so high level with that, like he's so yeah. t- dialed in with understanding the relationship of of how kids think and how how adults think, and I I, I think that ha- helps immensely when you're playing, you know, four or five different fathers to one child. So you know what I mean. So. <laughs> Well, and it was interesting too. Um, there was a brief moment um, where I'm just trying to find it here, but um, Michelle had mentioned she. I think they said something about you know, obviously spoilers. If you haven't watched uh, the Bad Batch, we're about to spoil massive things from the final episode of Bad Batch season two. Um, but Michelle had mentioned something like she was like, "Oh, it was really, really sad," you know, learning about that moment with Tech. Um, and in that it would be the last time we would see him this episode. And I was like, I, my ears perked up and I said, this episode. Interesting. Interesting. He's and they, not confirmed. They, they not immediately, dead. they immediately cut dead. to talking about something else right after that moment. So I'm wondering if she did maybe let a little bit of a slip happen there. Um, no, you know, shout out to slip as well. The, the clone who very much is dead. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I did, I, I did really, um, I think the panel, the entire panel was so, you were so sure lovely. he was dead. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Now you he's heard it dead. from Omega's voice. Yeah. Yeah, he's not dead. He's um, not dead. D's laugh, by the way, in person, sounds like just all the clones laughing. Like all the different clones. <laughs> you can hear it so much in his voice. Um, and uh, and yeah, I just think it was the, the, the entire time, the entire moment, um, just hearing them talk about their, their favorite moments uh, in the last season. Um, you know, I think one of them was, uh, um, the Ipsium mine. Michelle was mentioning how the Ipsium mine episode was her favorite. The, the, the kind of the, the, the world building, she said blew her mind, but also with, with tech and Omega and and growing closer, um, was a really special moment for her. Yeah. And and then it makes that, that finale that much harder uh, to swallow, especially when you're reading through it. So, you know, again, I think that's probably why we were talking about it in our, our watch club, why she gave such a, you know, emotional reaction. And it felt like, you know, not acting. It felt like something real that was coming uh, out of the, 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 the character. Um, Yeah. I think, I think it, it goes to show that she got a real relationship with tech. So it just hit that much harder, but I love that D calls out um, his favorite episode being uh, uh, the outpost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh. with uh, Mayday, and so that that story is pr- literally the single. Uh, I think it's. I think it was our favorite as well. I, oh I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just because of the 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 level of storytelling and character development that you got out of it, 
uh, was was just done so well. Mm-hmm. And and D shouted out the the animation team, uh, and we everyone in the crowd massive applause for the animation team. And it was so lovely to see, even though none of them were on stage necessarily, it was fantastic to to give them their flowers because this this season and especially that episode I were man. insane. Yeah. Insane. They're killing it. They're killing it with the animation. And it's like that nerdy girl on uh, on Twitter who I was talking with, and you know, she was talking about the fact that everything's transitioning from animation into live action. Does that mean that they're going to abandon it? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, there's just you know, they got the announcement of 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 upcoming animated projects, but at the same time, it's like they've invested so much in improving the animation. Like, why stop there, right? Like, mm-hmm. why stop there? And I I don't know if we need a movie, right? Per se, I actually think that these animated stories work better in episodic content because look at the weekly conversations we were able to have just to see the market improvement that we collectively agreed upon like they knew how to balance the pacing and the storytelling in season two versus season one so again they're they're learning they're improving uh and and i think that there's still there's still more stories to tell in animated medium and i don't think they'll i don't think they'll abandon it like it has been more influential to the growth of star wars than anything in theater uh in my opinion so well, I mean, it's funny because we were uh, the next day after or like later on that day, uh, we were hopping in line for another uh, the visions panel. And behind us, people were talking about how they were upset that season. It was announced as season three being the final season of the Bad Batch. To me, I was just like, I'm not upset about that. The animation team is going to focus on another story to tell because we have Tales of the Jedi confirmed. They are continuing this animation trend and I don't see them going away from that. So uh, honestly, if. Maybe this is going to be a spinoff from the Bad Batch. Maybe it's going That's to be an what I was wondering. story. Yes. Either way, the next story that this animation team tells, I will be on it from minute one because they do such a great job at, at exactly. bringing this world to life. And, yeah. and again, they've they've like you said they they have done so much world building in this these animated shows that they they it'd be dumb to just stop that because yeah. there is so much potential there for mm-hmm. that amazing storytelling. Well, and we did, as you said, we did get an announcement in and throughout celebration that yes, Tales of the Jedi will be coming back for a season two. Stoked for that. Um, but, you know, I think it was funny. They got to Jen's favorite moment. She mentioned, she's like, yeah, Cody coming back was probably my favorite moment. But what tops that is that the story is not over. They announced a third season. Uh, and then Athena was like, well, you know what tops that moment of you announcing a third season? is that we have a sneak peek for everyone in the audience today. I Justin, can't believe it. Did you find a Reddit thread? I No, I okay. did not find okay. a Reddit thread with it. <laughs> I'm going to so give you, like... I'm not going to, don't worry. We're not going to give, there's no major spoilers in this teaser. Because of again, course, but it I, is a I, now in I production found... teaser. Right, um, and I also saw I read I read a ver, um, a uh, written description of of what was share, shown, mm-hmm. um, and it does sound like a lot of it is a work in production, and you know they're saying twenty twenty four, which makes me think you know is that late twenty twenty four or could we get it around the same time that we got season three at, at in January of twenty twenty three? Could we get I hope it that's in, the in case. January of twenty? I hope so. I think that there's there's enough time, and you have to think that with with the immediacy of knowing that this is their third and final season, they must have been already working on it. Like the stories were already probably submitted, the animations and, and pre pre production designs were were already being planned, and uh, take as much time as you need. Just you know, don't rush it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it looks looks better when you when it's when it's there's more time invested. Uh, well, in, the in the, 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 the tantalizing 
the tantalizing, uh, you know, little teases that I'll give you here that we saw. Um, you know, a voiceover from the Emperor saying, it's imperative that you maintain this facility. Talking to Hemlock, he's walking with Hemlock, uh, guarded by Imperial guards walking with them, which I think that's the first time we've seen them in red in animation. Mm -hmm. I think, I could be wrong. Um, we got a new haircut for Omega. Um, one that looked even, even more um, sort of fancy. I'm wondering if she's kind of getting that from her her sister maybe she's getting some influences there um we got to see omega talking to crosshair in a prison so i'm wondering if we are going to get that prison sort of call back to uh to the first season uh fennec shand is back we got to see a quick sizzle of fennec shand uh and it looked like we might have seen wrecker dropping a bomb into a sarlacc uh and then he has like good you know <laughs> chuckle uh which was absolutely fantastic Darcy anything before we move on to the final panel uh, that we're going to be covering uh, in this podcast anything you wanted to mention about the footage that we got to see of Bad Batch season three and again it was still pretty early stuff uh, it has me really excited it looks like the characters some time will have passed yeah between when we left them off and where we're catching up yeah. to them now so huh. it's it's going to be interesting uh, to see that like the Hunter, Wrecker, and Echo trying to find their way back to where Omega is uh, mm -hmm. will be probably the main storyline that we'll get yeah. for the first half of the season. So I'm excited, to say the least. Yeah, I was so going to ask you guys, because uh, I hadn't seen it, but based on what was being described, it looked like, it sounded like that time had passed. So it does it does seem like that, based on the footage that you saw, very much affirms that some, some time has passed between the events of season two and season three, which is good. I think that that helps with telling the story it'll be interesting to see where exactly uh it lines up and how much i don't know if they if they've given a distinct age to omega but like yeah some some people were saying like omega looks older now like she mm -hmm. looks like she's grown up so it'll be really interesting to see maybe we maybe because it is the third season maybe we do get flash forward uh situations something like that maybe we get to see a little bit into the future uh but speaking of the future the final panel that we got to see at Star Wars Celebration, Darcy and I managed to get, you know, right out of that 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 presentation and then right back in line uh, for the Star Wars Visions Volume 2 panel hosted by Amy Ratcliffe uh, yet again. Uh, and we got to watch as the various directors and producers from around the globe introduced us to worlds, ideas, uh, and the cultures that they imbued in each of their short films. Uh, Star Wars Visions Volume 2 is out on May 4th on Disney Plus. Um, but let's talk about the 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 panel, Darcy. Um, was there any any highlights for you? And then of course that incredible trailer. I mean, I think just the coolest thing was the fact that they they took the time to allow each of the directors to come out and talk about their their own short. Right. They are so different in fact that they are really coming from where they grew up and the culture that they were grew up in to mm -hmm. tell these stories and how they interpret Star Wars. So. It, it was really neat to see them, again, take the time to shine the spotlight on each of these directors and have them talk about what Star Wars means to them and what, what they were going for when telling a story through mm. the lens of Star Wars. So that mm. was really awesome. And again, yeah, that, that trailer had me so stoked. There are so many oh, so many cool the animation opening? styles that we'll get to see in, in yeah, this next the, season. Oh, it's going to be so good. That trailer, I think I've watched so many times, and it's it's funny because we're so close to... Uh, the you know the series actually coming out, but still it's it's uh, 
you know, they just did it. They, they've done it again. You know, they've, they've found the balance between telling uniquely specific Star Wars stories that have the right balance of, of that with, with cultural nuances that make it specific to the regions of, of, of where these animation studios are coming from. I just I think it's such a beautiful marriage of the two. And it really does hone in on this idea. Like, you know, we're talking about like all the stuff. And I, I think I've said it so many times. Like, it's like my favorite Star Wars, this, my favorite Star Wars. This is like the perfect realization of what Star Wars can be outside of the predetermined box of what people think Star Wars is. Like I was saying, fans are so possessive with Star Wars that they think they know what it should be rather than thinking about what it can be. Which is why I think Star Wars Visions is, is a huge success. It really does show you what Star Wars can be outside of everything we expect. I didn't get to see any of the footage, obviously, that you guys probably saw. You guys actually got to probably watch, I think, a short, one of the shorts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But the clips, the the photos, the designs, the, the animation, we're getting claymation uh, stop motion styles in Star Wars, which is which is awesome, right? Like, I'm, I don't know if that's ever been done outside of Robot Chicken, but, uh, you know. <laughs> right, I mean, it was it's... done in the originals. That's how they animated mm-hmm. all those monsters. Well, of course, yes, I know. But I just mean like an animated story, like an animated sure. story told in, in this in this style of animation of stop motion, right? Like it, it's going to open people's eyes beyond just what Star Wars Vision Volume 1 did with anime studios and the different types of anime stories. You know what I mean? It's not just anime studios. It's all like it's the types of stories that you expect from anime that were, in, you know, kind of imbued in in Star Wars there. Here it's like culturally specific stories uh, told through those eyes. And, and I think it's it's it looks fantastic. I, I already think it's going to be my favorite thing of the year. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, you, you mentioned um, different mediums and, and even the idea of, of kind of. Um, using different textures uh gabriel osorio um for his short uh he mentioned that you know latin american history was an inspiration for his short and the characters are made with digital 3d um, but they also mix in stop motion hand-painted backgrounds uh and then they they take those hand-painted backgrounds and they're actually scanned in but then they also used actual plants from the deep of of patagonia in the shorts in the short film itself, um, which is such a cool idea uh, to really give it that that real rich look. Um, and what an incredible like some of these these moments of seeing some of these these characters who are just using the force and are, are overtly powerful, even though they're they're just children or um, cartoon saloon. Uh, they did uh, Wolf Walkers, um, yes. you know, from Ireland. And and the yeah. fact that, you know, getting Great to see an, uh, Paul, who's who's from Ireland, get to stand there so proudly and mention how, all you know, 95 percent of the characters, except for the villain, have Irish accents in Star yeah. Wars is Awesome, uh, and I'm I'm so that's excited. where the Huxes are probably from, right? Like that, they're all probably from from that region. That seems like it. Um, <laughs> so cool. Um, Park Young uh, Gyun, the director of Journey into Dark, had giving us the the prehistoric war between the Jedi and the Sith um, is really really kind of a neat idea. Um, and the fact that the original Korean voice actors for Leia, Obi Wan, and Kylo Ren are actually going to be in the Korean dub of the short Sick. um is Sick. really 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 cool and and again it's just it, it was so heartwarming to get to see these these directors and these creators and these talented people on stage just talking about the things that they love talking about the inspirations from their own lives um growing up around the world um and getting to kind of see them bring this stuff 
to Star Wars um, is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and and it was really heartwarming even after the panel had concluded. They're all there. Their families are there. They're celebrating with their families. Um, Ardman Studios, which we did get to watch the short I Am Your Mother, uh, which was fantastic. I teared up a little bit um, about a, a young Twi'lek girl uh, and her, her mom. And that's kind of the most that I will give you. But it is incredibly heartfelt uh, and, in, and endearing. Um, you know, we actually were in the crowd and right behind us were the team from Ardman who, who actually animated the short. And so it was just really cool because, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, this celebration felt bigger and smaller all at the same time. This was one of those moments where, yeah, we're standing in a, a really big crowd of people, but a lot of those people are the people that actually make Star Wars. Uh, and it really brought it close together, and, and it was really, really delightful to see. Um, Darcy, is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? I mean, on top of all the the great you know live action and animated content we talked about, there is... They announced the next phase of the High Republic. We're getting three more books exploring the the ancient, or not the ancient past, the not so ancient past, I guess, of the Jedi. Then the, they've also talked about a couple, you know, tabletop role playing games coming out soon from either Funko or from uh, I think Fan Fantasy Flight is doing Shatterpoint. There's a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline for Star Wars fans, and it's not just something you have to watch. You can read, you can play, you can do anything, and it's just it's a great time to be a Star yeah. Wars fan. That's that's all I can say. Yeah. All around experience, right? Darcy, coolest mm -hmm. thing you bought at Star Wars Celebration? Go. Oh, geez. I know you bought a lot. <laughs> I bought a lot. Uh, I don't know. I got a lot of awesome art this year. They had a wicked. The art show floor was great, and we got to talk to a lot of the, the artists there. And uh, I think that was the takeaway: is the fact that we we did it at Fan Expo. We like to talk to the people who love the stuff and create content or, or art around the things we love. And this was just the Star Wars version of that, where we got to talk to several artists and really just say thank you so much for for doing these characters justice or or t painting these characters in a new light or picture and it's it was delightful to just talk to people about what we love absolutely wonderful and the 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 creativity of some of these folks absolutely phenomenal i think i bought a poster it's just it's just grogu eating a bunch of stuff it's it's gorgeous it's absolutely <laughs> beautiful um and then i think for me besides the trapper wolf uh, mini bust, which is awesome uh, from Gentle Giant. Uh, Star Wars Timelines uh, as an early release from DK Publishing, I think, is absolutely fantastic. It's gonna be. I can't wait to dive into it and and read through it and, it's and gonna see be... these timelines actually fleshed out. But I, I I do think it's gonna be a volume one. We're gonna get a volume two oh, or sure. a volume three yeah, yeah, as yeah. they start to add more. But I am yeah. so excited to sort of see. I nail down. Okay, how old is this character? Yeah, exactly. When this happens, yeah, right? it's gonna be the encyclopedia that we would go to even during our conversations. It'd be like, uh, let's refer to the Star Wars timeline if we for a moment and <laughs> so uh, good. pull that up and find the pages. Yeah, I bought the Trapper Wolf online. Uh, I I was able to to uh, get it thanks to you guys for uh, helping helping out with that, and you guys picked me up some stuff, so I I still get to enjoy. And appreciate. I got uh, some. The, we got some stuff you don't even know about, Justin. So get oh, ready. Oh, oh my <laughs> God! And uh, yeah, I, I, that sort of love. Uh, you guys know. Um, if I was there, I'd probably be with you every single day. Um, we would be doing it all together, and then we would be complaining and oh, our feet hurt, and oh, I'm tired. But we would be enjoying it and freaking out together. So I was glad though we had the we had the group chat and we were able to talk. I will say though. There is, you know, I, I was listening online to some people that are talking about, you know, and these are obviously 
people that are doing couch con, bed con, whatever the hell it is, could there be an opportunity to stream these things exclusively through Disney Plus for the audience? Maybe you pay a premium to actually get it. I would. I, I personally like would. I'd pay a hundred mm-hmm. and something dollars. So that means that I have access to it. I have to give it I have to give only like a TV. Like you could really narrow it down. TVs can only have permission. But at the same time, like I get that the footage that they're showing is made for the con, right? But it does get circulated. It it didn't it didn't stop people from from being able to see it on the Reddit threads. At that point it's just like, well why not just put something out. Do you know what I mean? So that you can at least control and that those fans out there can enjoy it. And, you know, Disney's Disney Plus is built with the setup that you can't screen record, you can't grab things. You can take you pictures can of You can record video screen. with your phone and no security guard is going to stop you. For you know sure. what I'm saying? That's the, the, same, I think that's yeah, the only stopping point. For sure. But at the same time, then don't be so precious with that, right? Like don't, like it, it's not necessarily needing to worry about that because it is going to get out either way it's, as it as it's proved and then the you know you you have to do the due diligence of oh take it down take it down take it down take it down right so it's like why just why not just make it like the the experience for you guys that are there is being there is popping off with those fans is seeing it is hearing all of these conversations and and live uh you know in the moment right so there there is a value to that experience that you're paying for and then everything else outside of it uh you know walking the floors and and getting into everything else so you know i think there's an opportunity there is an opportunity i i would say and and maybe it'll be explored at some future future event maybe in in some timeline but speaking of timelines uh we got to wrap up um and speaking of star wars wrapping up celebration wrapping up they wrapped up uh by mentioning yes tokyo in 2025 uh, amy ratcliffe was on stage uh and and kind of mentioned that out there and then also shout out to dj elliot and atomic blonde holding down the fort at the celebration stage and dj elliot for for bringing me up on stage by the way i don't even know if we mentioned this it was on the instagram uh i got to play a dope star wars uh posing game um and i i posed as Certain characters from the Bad Batch got got a good good uh, you know play to the crowd kind of moment, uh, which was really really fun, and I won. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, it was a pretty great moment for me. There you go. Um, that's your celebration. That was my celebration. <laughs> yeah. Um, but listen, uh, until we get to Tokyo in 2025, and Justin, I'm going to force you to come to that one. Um, that is it. We hope you enjoyed this week in geeks. Uh, sorry, this week in geek recap of Star Wars Celebration 2023. If you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen in a podcast and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news or any of the content we cover uh well i'm gonna get justin a vip pass so he can join us in tokyo next year and i'm also gonna send it over to him to mm. let you know how you can reach us by hollow message oh yeah vip pass all the way they can reach us at we are geekcentric at gmail.com that's we are geekcentric at gmail.com or they can reach out to us on twitter at geekcentric yt or check out our instagram as nate mentioned we got some stories on our Instagram from the event and, uh, you know, the travels of, of Darcy and, and Nate. So uh, you can check and see it's on our on our highlights for stories uh, at We Are Geek Centric. And you don't need a VIP pass to, to do no. any of that, by the way. It's completely no, no, free. Not at all. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it's absolutely incredible content. Uh, at least I think so. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our recent spoiler-free reviews 
for the Super Mario Bros. movie, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, on Netflix, uh, there's a movie called Kill Box Soon that we, we reviewed. We also have interviews with a lot of the folks who were in attendance at Star Wars Celebration, including Hayden Christensen, Deborah Chow, Denise Gove, Kyle Soler, Adria Arjona, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, Rick Femiua, Katie Sackoff, Brad yeah, Rao, crazy, Jennifer actually. Corbett, and D. Bradley Baker. <laughs> All of those are available to listen on our podcast, uh, on your podcast service of choice, or you can watch them over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Go give those episodes a listen, a like. Uh, be sure to comment. Leave a five-star review if you don't mind. It's nuts how many people from Star Wars that it's we've gotten crazy. to talk to. Yeah, um, so, just, so good. I can't more wait. to come, too. More to, more to yes, come. Yes, we, we do have some more <laughs> Star Wars coverage coming soon. Uh, some yeah. of those things that I mentioned on May the 4th, we will be definitely uh, talking all about. Darcy, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for today's galactic-sized recap episode. And as we say, love ya. Laters. Peace. Peace.